about today is that song. You know, we think about uh, yeah, all, everything we're going through as a church, everything that we're experiencing as a church, this season that we're in, and it's a, a new season. And so we say, Lord, what would you have for us? Lord, what would you say to us now? And you know, we've been in this, this series called Light the Way to shine bright from generation to generation. And we've, we've looked at these different transitions in the scriptures. We've looked from Moses to Joshua and Elijah to Elisha, from Timothy to Paul. And so today, the way that we're going to uh, look at this is we think about the disciples. And we think about them when they had Jesus with them, right in front of them, in the flesh. And then they went through this huge transition then to go from Jesus leaving and that they are given the Holy Spirit. And so what we are looking at today is the early church and what happened with them and, and, and how we think about this question that I think is, what would you choose what would you choose today, right now, if you could have what you have right now, or you could have Jesus in the flesh standing in front of you? Which would you choose? I mean, I think it's hard for me. I, I know the, I sort of, I know the end, you know, punchline here, but still, <laughs> I think I want Jesus in the flesh right in front of me, right? I could have what we are supposed to have spiritually right now or Jesus in the flesh in front of me. Which would you choose? I mean, admit it. Think about it. What would you do? What would you choose? Because Jesus says, it's better for me to be gone and for you to have the Holy Spirit. Which, guess what? You have. That's what we have now. We have the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus says, it would be better for me to go to his disciples. And I think if I have the choice right now to have what we have, the Holy Spirit with me, dwelling within me, or Jesus in the flesh, whew, it's hard, right? It's, it's actually hard to, to go with the text on that one. And I think, man, I want Jesus right here in front of me. But... But let's check out what it says, because we see in John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, this is to his disciples in the upper room, right before he's going to go, he says, He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Greater works. You will do because Jesus leaves. That sounds counterintuitive, right? But that's what he says. And then he says just a couple chapters later in the same conversation in John 16, 7, he says, But I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. It's to your advantage I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And the helper is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. That Jesus says, it's actually better. You will do greater things. It's to your advantage if I go. And so I ask again, what would you choose, right? Would you choose that? Well, the disciples, they believed Jesus. And they began to experience some amazing things. Because what happens next, and we'll just look at these on the screen for now. But he says, 
In Acts 1, what happens is Jesus, in between that speech he just gave about, it'll be better if I go, he has then gone to the cross. He has died on the cross. He has suffered and died to take the sins of the world upon himself, to be the, the substitute, to be the atonement for our sins. But then on the third day, he comes back to life. He is alive again with victory and power over sin and death. That's the gospel, men and women of Calvary Church. And we, we see that amazing thing happen. And then a little bit of time passes and we end up here in Acts 1. All right, and then it says, gathering them together, Jesus commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard of from me. Remember back in John 14 and 16, I don't think he gave the reference, but he, he said, remember, you heard this from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, it continues, so when they come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the remotest part of the earth. So you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. Why? To be witnesses. You receive power. You'll experience miracles and these incredible things that will happen. Why? To be witnesses of Christ. To testify, to share the gospel of Jesus. And uh, then it says, this is still in the Acts 1, 4 to 11 part. He says, and after he'd said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. So Jesus does go. He ascends into heaven. And these two men that we uh, believe are angels, he said, they said to them, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who's been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the way as you have watched him go into heaven. So Jesus lays all this out. He says, it's better if I go. Trust me. They see him die and come back to life again. And now he gives them these words that you'll receive power from the Holy Spirit when I go. So wait for it. So they're waiting. They're waiting. And then, Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves and they rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, so they hear the sound, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language." All right. Now, then what happens is Peter gives this amazing sermon to all of these folks. And at the end of it, it says, And with many other words, he, Peter, solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then... 
Those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. And so we begin to see this incredible impact of them being witnesses. Of them sharing, testifying, and doing the very thing that he said. And, and basically what I want to tell you today is the early church actually believed Jesus. <laughs> they believed him. And they experienced the power and work of the Holy Spirit as they were then being witnesses and sharing. They believed Jesus that it would be better for him in the flesh to not be there for them to have the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Do we? Do we? Do I? I mean, it's still hard for me to answer that question. If I could have Jesus right here in the flesh in front of me, or if I could have what we have with the Holy Spirit dwelling within me, what would I choose? I mean, it's tough. But we got to start to believe the way the early church believed and begin to experience his power. Are we experiencing him? Do we have that boldness? Do we see him working in our lives in radical ways? What are we experiencing as a church? Because when I begin to then flip through the book of Acts and I start to look at what happens after these texts and you see it's, it's just amazing to see people being raised from the dead, people being healed, people like Stephen saying he's full of grace and power, performing great wonders and signs among the people. You know, they were, they were in awe of the miracles and wonders that God was doing. It says God was giving them words to say. The Spirit was helping them know what to say as they're preaching and testifying of Jesus. They experienced it. They experienced the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You know, Francis Chan, he's a, a pastor and speaker and author. He wrote a book called Forgotten God about the Holy Spirit. He called it Forgotten God. I hope you kind of recognize what he's doing with that title. But he says, uh, why would we need to experience the comforter if our lives are so comfortable? You understand? Why would we need to experience? The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. But if we have these lives that are just full of comfort that we have earned for ourselves and created for ourselves, are we able to experience the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because we see... In the rest of the world, we see in the developing world and in, in nations with poverty and persecution, we see these incredible things happening where the Holy Spirit is working and people are being healed of sicknesses and diseases and people are being added to their number daily where, you know, just this incredible work is happening. And so we ask, like, are, are we somehow comfortable in ourselves? Have we even played the part of God for ourselves? when we need the power of God to be working through us and in us. And so I think, how are we going to grow you know, as individuals? And how are we going to grow as a church in this, this season that we're in now? It's one thing. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit of God working in us and through us. So I just wanted to um, <clears throat> share just a little bit, share a little bit about, you know, some uh, just personal examples of things that, that I've experienced you know, when it comes to um, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I've shared some in this, in this process even of my calling story of, 
these prophetic words like spoken about, prayed over me and spoken about that I would one day become a pastor, my baby dedication. And then I remember the summer after my senior year of high school, just this pastor praying over me and saying, oh, you're going to become a pastor one day. And I was kind of like, no, no, I'm not. You know, and then, and then about a year later, I started to believe him more <laughs> when, when that's the way my life started to turn. You know, and that, that calling from God and having a, a clear sense of the voice of God speaking to me and calling me into ministry, I believe that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've had times where I'm just talking to friends or people, or I remember being on uh, like the streets of L.A. on missions trips and just talking to people and thinking, I, do, I have no idea what to say to this person and then a verse just pops into my head that I haven't thought about in years. You know, those moments where God's given you just the right verse, the right word to say in that moment. That's the Holy Spirit. I've experienced the Holy Spirit working in me in that way. Uh, I've, I think about even healing. You know, I've, I've told you before of just the story of my own personal healing where I had cancer as a child and the elders came and laid hands on me and anointed me with oil and prayed over me. And in the next round of testing, the, the cancer was miraculously gone where I was healed. I've experienced that healing myself. I remember even praying for my mom. It was like over uh, about 20 years ago. Before I was married, so over 20 years ago. My mom had this heart problem. And uh, it was essentially where her heart was, was dying. And I remember the doctor saying, okay, it's like uh, just something like 50%. And they said, here's, here's what you should hope for. You should hope that it just stays the same or declines slowly. That's what you should hope for. It can't get better. Okay, it's not possible for it to get better. And we said, no, I don't think so. We prayed hard. And I remember dropping to my knees on the floor of my room. I, just, I can picture it. It was like on this far side of my bed in this small space between my wall and my bed and dropping to the floor and just praying with all my heart, Lord, heal my mom's heart. And then we remember hearing that it had gone from 50% to about 65%, and the doctors couldn't explain why. And, I mean, come on, church, where are you? Let's go. Let's be happy about that, right? Uh, like God works in healing ways. Now, my mom passed away a year ago, but she didn't die of heart disease. It was something else. But, you know, we all, everybody dies. The odds are pretty good on that. There's, about, there's, a, couple, there's a couple that didn't uh, in the scriptures. But, but you know, but I want us to recognize that we can experience this work of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean every time that somebody gets healed or all that's going to happen. But we got to believe. we got to get, get real that this is actually the supernatural realm is real. I've seen, I've been in the room when somebody had a demon cast out of them, I know it. I saw it. It was radical and intense. And this person couldn't remember the last couple days after that moment. They kind of went out cold and they woke up the next day and didn't remember what had happened. But then they, then they actually experienced Christ working their life and lived their life for Jesus. Because I've, I've experienced these things. I've seen these things with my own eyes. And I think we see them very few and far between where we live because we live comfortably, because we're our own God, because we've, we've built up idols of self-sufficiency. But, you know, I've seen rooms where people are just blown away 
during worship by just the work of the Holy Spirit upon the people. I feel like I've been moved to tears in those moments of just, just having a great sense of the Holy Spirit's presence with us. I feel like I've, I've experienced conviction of sin. Those moments where you have just deep conviction of sin and then the ability to resist sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit is real, okay? The Holy Spirit is uh, like our power and hope of anything that we can have. And so I ask for us as a church, do we experience this? Do we experience the Holy Spirit? And how can we more? How can we see God transform our personal lives, transform our church and grow us and even increase our number daily as he did in that time? I believe it's through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it doesn't have to be weird, okay? It might get weird sometimes, but I'm not a, I'm not, because we, we are very natural world-minded. I'm not a cessationist. I don't believe that the work of the Holy Spirit has stopped. But I'm also not a sensationalist, that it's all about a big show. Okay, that we, I believe that the Holy Spirit transforms and shapes us, but gives us power. Why? To be witnesses. How can we experience this more then? How can we see the Spirit of God change us? Just a few things for us to think about today. Number one, know the Holy Spirit. One, know about the Holy Spirit and actually know the Holy Spirit. To seek him, to spend time with him in prayer and listening to the voice of God in your life. But know the Holy Spirit. What does he do? Pull out your little your outline if you haven't already. On the outline, it's not going to be on the screen because it's just so much. But on the back and the digging deeper is this whole part where it says, what does the Holy Spirit do? And there's about 20 things there. This is through me digging into the text and some, some resources and just coming up with it. This is not an exhaustive list of what the Holy Spirit does, okay? But I think it helps give you a sense of what the Holy Spirit does. And you can see here some of these. You know, he indwells us. Romans 8, 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That the very Spirit of God dwells within you at the point of your salvation. You are baptized by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And now, the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. That's what we're tapping into here, people, okay? And we have to recognize that. And that means radical. That means greater things than even Jesus did, he says, can be accomplished. Because the same power that conquered the grave dwells within us. And then, you know, he helps us know what to say. I love Luke 12, 12. You know, they had to, they, he says, when you, in verse 11, when they bring you before the synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how or what you're to speak in your defense or what you are to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. It's pretty blatant right there, right? The Holy Spirit will give you words. He will tell you what to say in those moments. You know, it says he leads us to do God's will and display his fruit. He, he speaks to us and guides us. Uh, I love Acts 13, 2 through 4. It says this. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, 
when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Verse 4, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. They heard from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit led them and guided them of where they should go and what they should do. They experienced that, and then they bore fruit from it. He gives us power to witness, number eight, and even perform miracles so that we can witness. Twelve, he brings conviction of sin to us. That comes from the Holy Spirit. It's not Jiminy Cricket, okay? It comes from our, the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us. He gives us, 16, he gives us gifts for ministry that are a manifestation of himself. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. I'll read this one as well. Um, it says, But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So all of the believers, all of us as believers, are given gifts from the Spirit. We know that. But what those gifts are is a manifestation of the Spirit in our lives. That we are displaying the Spirit of God in our lives. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To another, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as He wills. So that's the, the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And we need to know. We need to know about all of this. What does the Holy Spirit do? And He he does. He gives us those gifts. He moves us, inspires us. He sanctifies us. To be sanctified is that process of, of the Holy Spirit of God making us more holy and more like Christ over the course of our lives. That work comes from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't make ourselves better. The Holy Spirit sanctifies us. So it's helpful. I, I, what I encourage you to do is, is take that list. Take it home. Read through it. Read through all those texts. Read through the surrounding verses before and after those verses and, and get to know it. And, and know who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And then seek him in prayer. Say, Lord, make this evident in my life. Make this evident in our church, please. That we would be displaying you and living out of your power. And I believe then that we have a church that is... is doing amazing things, that we are seeing the Comforter add to our number daily and transforming our lives as well. Okay, so that's one. Know the Holy Spirit, know about Him, and know Him actually. And then be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. All right, I want to talk about this a little bit. Be filled with the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Now, first of all, uh, let's read this passage in Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. It says, Therefore, be careful how you walk. Now usually when the Bible says the word walk, they're saying be careful how you live, how you use your life, how you conduct your life. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. Other translations say making the most of every opportunity. Okay? So we want to be wise and make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 
And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? And even that contrast, I think, is there for a reason. Because you look back to Pentecost, and people were saying, oh, they must be, they must be drunk with wine because they were filled with the Spirit. That there's a sense of, when we see this filled with the Spirit, um, or in the Spirit, you know, sometimes those are strange I don't know, just sort of strange ways of speaking or thinking for us. But we do say things like he was filled with anger, right? Filled with anger versus filled with the Spirit. Filled with wine versus filled with the Spirit. You know, in love. You know, we're not actually like inside something called love, right? It's, it's a little more metaphorical than that. But we are in the Spirit. So we are filled with the Spirit. And then that results in what's in the rest of the passage. That results in us speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Even Justin says a lot, you know, with your heart, you know, with your heart sing this out. I think that's to remind us we're not just supposed to be mouthing words. We're supposed to be singing that with our hearts. And that's a result of us being filled with the Spirit. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So what we have here, and you see this on your outline as well, is we are indwelled upon salvation. We are indwelled with the Holy Spirit. That's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then we can have many fillings of the Holy Spirit. So we are filled, kind of like being stirred up, the Holy Spirit being stirred up in us. That feeling results in speaking to one another, okay? So we're encouraging one another even as we would sing these songs and speak these words. It results in us being able to sing with our hearts to God. That results in a heart of gratitude. So one that is filled with the Spirit is a person that is thankful, that has a heart of gratitude for what God has given us. Then submitting to one another, being subject to one another is a result of our filling with the Spirit, that we have this spirit of mutual submission to each other as believers. And then I think that, so the filling results in these things, but then the doing of these things stirs up and we're filled, and it's this cycle, okay? So the doing of those, those things kind of stirs that up, and then we experience those results of the filling. All right, And so we seek the Lord in prayer. We ask him to fill us. But we also then, if you don't know what to do, and you're a person that's just like, I can't just sort of sit here and do nothing, spirit work. And like, you know, I, I've always had this sort of confusion of when people say, let the spirit work. Well, then what do I do? Do I just sit in the couch and just sort of, I don't know, hope for the best? Like, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? And, and so I say, well, let's do the things that are the results, right? Let's do all this stuff. Let's seek the Lord and see how he stirs that up. But then what we also do is we walk in the Spirit, which is to keep in step with the Spirit. And we talked about this a bit in our Galatians series. A couple of verses here to look at. Galatians 5, 16, and then 25, which are just in this same big chunk where he's talking. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. And then 25 is, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. And what that is, is if you have life because of the Spirit, you're saved, you have your salvation because of the Holy Spirit of God, well then live the rest of your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Don't think that you just get saved by, by the Holy Spirit and then now I kind of just do my own thing. No, if we're saved by the Spirit, let's also then walk by the Spirit. And to do that is to keep in step. This analogy, and we, did, we talked about this on a Sunday where we had a line down the center of the room. And we want to walk along, walk in line with the gospel, right? We want to walk in line, keep in step with the Spirit of God. That it, it's sort of like... Um, Follow, if someone were walking in the sand or the snow in front of you and you're just keeping those same, you're walking in those footprints. You're walking in those steps. And those steps are the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so I think the Holy Spirit, you know, comes alongside us and we walk in step with Him and we walk in line with the gospel, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus our eyes are clearly fixed on Jesus, and then we keep in step with the Spirit as we go. And then if we start to look to something other than Christ, or something other than the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we want to be lovingly brought back in line with the gospel, brought back in line with the Spirit's work in our lives. And so we seek Him out for that. And then I think the fruit of the Spirit, then, is the indicator, right? It's the indicator that we are keeping in step with the Spirit. And so, so examine yourselves. Let's all examine, examine myself. That uh, Am I displaying love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and so on, right? And so that's that indicator. We want to keep in step with the Spirit. And what I'd love for us even to do as we are doing this, I, I shared this once before, but I just want us to really get this as a church because the whole thing of the why, why do we do all this? You know, Jesus said, you'll receive power so you'll be my witnesses, right? You'll receive this power of the Holy Spirit to testify and be a witness of him. And I think that's harder for a lot of us than we're willing to admit even. And so we need to be prayerful, praying that the Holy Spirit be working in us. And so I've had this sort of cheesy, <laughs> Dave's alliteration, I'm going to be acronyms, okay? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but it's this cheesy acronym of CHOW. And you could just say it's it's eating, it's feeding on the Word of God. But it's a prayer. It's a prayer that just, just helps me remember this, right? Helps me remember what to pray when it comes to evangelism. Now, I've been praying this prayer for a while, and I just pray, Lord, please, Holy Spirit, give me courage. Give me boldness to, to take that step, to take that step of maybe just when the regular conversation, to turn it into a spiritual conversation. Lord, give me boldness to do that. I, I, uh, I then pray, Lord H, give me a heart. Give me a love for people that's so deep that, that i, I got to share the love of Jesus, the gospel with them. God, give me a heart and a love. Maybe even give me a heart and a love for these people that isn't there now, Lord. I pray that you would expand that in me, grow that heart. And then, oh, Lord, give me an opportunity. Please give me opportunities. Open doors for me to be able to share. And then let me be aware, God, of, of when that's happening. Like, oh my gosh, that's that. That's that moment. That person, that's actually the moment when I can, now I can turn the conversation and, and then take that opportunity and then have the boldness to go for it, the courage to then, then make the most of that opportunity. And then W is words to say, like Luke 12, 12. Holy Spirit, please give me the words to say in this moment when I feel like I have no idea what to say. I'm not, good, I'm not smart enough. I don't know the word of God enough. Whatever that is, that voice in you, Pray that the Holy Spirit will give you words to say you don't even need to know. So this chow prayer, I, I encourage you, please join me in praying that. 
And that we would see that we would have power to be witnesses for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Come on. Yeah. All right. Now, the third of these things. Boldly go where the Spirit tells you to go. Boldly go where the Spirit tells you to go. Just like Barnabas and Saul and these others and the Peter and the book of Acts where, you know, just the Spirit led them to go and they went. They, they took those opportunities. They, they went for it. Boldly go where the Spirit tells you to go as his witness. And I think when it comes to this, we can learn from a group of people, uh, which are the persecuted church. We call the persecuted church. In this month of November, we, we have a, a day where we pray for, for the persecuted church. And today is our day here at Calvary where we're saying, let's remember the persecuted church. Let's pray for them and with them. But I think we can also learn from their example. That it's, I think that the persecuted church around the world, whether they be in certain Muslim countries, whether they be in North Korea or Southeast Asia, in certain countries where it's just you cannot be a believer without experiencing persecution. Some of these folks are experiencing radical persecution, but it has only made their faith more radical. I was just reading about in some Open Doors material of a woman named Hannah who lived in North Korea with her family. And then she actually got out of North Korea and then in a church in northern China, uh, kind of an underground church in northern China, she became a Christian. She accepted Christ and became a follower of Jesus and her whole family. But then they got found out and got sent back into North Korea. And then when they got into North Korea, they got put in prison. And then they're put in prison. They're separated as a family. They were beaten. They, were, they experienced isolation just imprisonment, just this complete loneliness and, and not knowing what's happening. And this woman, Hannah, began to pray and pray and pray of seeking God, Lord, like just please help. It was just help was her prayer. Eventually, for, she had no idea why, her son and her husband got thrown into the same cell as her. But she recognized her son, but she couldn't even recognize her husband because of how badly he'd been beaten. And um, he eventually died. But she continued to pray, Lord, help. And, I, and again, she says, I don't know why, which usually means a God thing, right? I don't know why, but she was just released. They just let her go. I don't know if that's a thing that North Korea does very often, right? They just let her go. And she just left and then went through China and then got to South Korea. And that she's able to tell her story. And that she was faithful and, and even her husband was taking those beatings and they were doing that whole thing of trying to get him to renounce Christ. And he just said no. And he began to witness to the people that were beating him. And it's incredible stories of the way that, like, what these people go through. I'd like to show you even just a, a video here, too, of some folks in Lebanon and what's happening with refugees there. Let's see it. We have more than 1.5 million refugees coming to our country. Everyone sees in that a very big problem, but we see in that a very big opportunity. So we are trying to help these people with both hands, physically and spiritually. Many of them are coming to Christ and they are telling us we have wrong idea about Christianity. We believe that the smallest light can penetrate the greatest darkness. We believe we are in the right place at the right time. 
So although we were a small church, everyone is at work in this ministry, which changed everything in our church. This is how we started. With time, many of the refugees have come to Christ, so now they are doing the work. More than 70% of our team are from the refugees themselves who have come to Christ. I believe it is their day of salvation. God is doing something special with these people. And we are witnessing miracles every week. Every week we have people coming to Christ. that awesome? <clears throat> I think so awesome to see that in Lebanon, where I just would think nothing could be happening for Jesus, right? In Lebanon. I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to understand what is happening there. And all these refugees that were flowing out of Syria into Europe, but then also into Lebanon. And then you got these 1.5 million, and they said, we're seeing miracles happening every week, and every week people are coming to Jesus. And that's amazing. And so what we want to be able to do then is I think, A, learn from them. Let's learn from them. We are not the ones that have it all together and then they don't and we have to help them. I think we can learn from their example to seek the power of the Holy Spirit, to see miracles happening each week, to see people coming to know Christ every week. But then we pray. And we don't just pray for the persecuted church. We pray with the persecuted church. Because they say, don't just pray for us to be safe. Pray with us that the work that we are doing will be accomplished, that we could see people come to know Christ. Uh, you have in your bulletins this card. This card says, I commit to pray. And then on the other side it says, 10 ways to pray for our persecuted Christian family. And it says, pray they'll sense God's presence, that they will know the greater body of Christ is praying for them. That they would experience God's comfort when persecuted which in that text says that they will experience, uh, well, in one of the texts about God's comfort from the Spirit, that they will experience comfort and then their number will increase. That they will see open doors to evangelism. That they be boldly share the gospel. Forgive and love their persecutors. Be granted wisdom in covert ministry work. And remain joyful amid suffering. Mature in their faith and be rooted in God's word. So we can pray with them for these things. And so what I'd love for us to do right now, just right now, a moment of pause. This will be a beginning, not an ending, but let's take a minute or two here and just be quiet and pray. Pick one or two things and pray for these things now. I'll close us, but then I encourage you, uh, I encourage you to keep praying for this. Take this home, pray for these just precious people around the world, and let's learn from them as well. So I'll close this time of prayer, and then I'll finish up a couple thoughts after that. Let's pray.